0: Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. Someone has said that many of us think the Holy Spirit is like our pituitary gland. We're glad we have a pituitary gland. We're not really sure what it does, but we don't want to lose it and the Holy Spirit. We're glad we have the Holy Spirit. We don't wanna lose the Holy Spirit, but we don't really know what the Holy Spirit does. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? In these weeks leading up to the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit Pentecost, the readings and the prayers and the mass tend to focus upon this third person of the Holy Trinity who has been called the forgotten God by some theologians, in the sense that he is the person of the Trinity, of the one God that we talk the least about. Now, in today's gospel, our Lord describes the Holy Spirit by one of his more popular titles. He promises that he will send another advocate. That's also translated in like the old fashioned English Bibles, like the King James, I will send you a paraclete, or counselor. Now, it comes from the Greek word parakletos, which literally means he who is called to your side, the person you summon to stand next to you. And the background for that is in the Greco-Roman judiciary system. You know, a paraclete was someone who could provide assistance to you in a trial setting. Specifically, this paracletos would give you counsel or advice. He would plead or argue on your behalf, and he would also intercede with the judge. So as the paraclete, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is the one who intercedes for us. He gives us advice and counsel. He's going to also comfort us when we're persecuted by this hostile world that we inhabit. The Holy Spirit is meant to defend us against our accusers. Now, who is the accuser of believers? Who are we always accused by? Who is the person who never gets tired of accusing us? The book of Revelation tells us Satan. The devil is the one who incessantly, day and night, accuses faithful believers. And the Holy Spirit is our protection is our advocate, is our parakletos against this accuser. Now, on the one hand, you could say, okay, I don't like being accused by the devil, but why should I care what the devil says? It's not like he's actually doing anything to me. He's just accusing me of stuff. And the devil's a liar. Nothing he says is actually true, right? So why do we need the third person of the Holy Trinity to defend us against these false accusations? What the devil says isn't entirely true. But like every good liar, it has an admixture of truth to it. And so, when the book of Revelation says, the devil is accusing us day and night, we commonly interpret that passage to mean, he's bringing up our sins. Like, what are are we guilty of? What do we have to be accused of? Of our sins, the stuff we've done wrong, the commandments we've broken, the times we failed God, our infidelity to the covenant that was established the day of our baptism. The devil accuses us saying, look, you broke this commandment, you did that wrong, you turned your back on Jesus over here. And in that sense, the accusation of the devil is true. He is correct when he calls us sinners, calls us wrongdoers. But Against these true accusations comes the Holy Spirit, that divine defense attorney. Now, he doesn't defend us by simply saying, he didn't do it. That's not the argument of the Holy Spirit. Because we are, in fact, guilty of these offenses, or a lot of these offenses. However, into this courtroom context, the Holy Spirit introduces the evidence of the blood of the Lamb who was slain. The blood of Christ. All those who have the Holy Spirit as their advocate have also been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. We are sinners, we are guilty, but Jesus has taken away that sin. He has taken away that wrongdoing. We did what was evil, but God does not continue to hold that evil against us. And it's on account of this sacred blood, this evidence of the Lamb that was slain, that we are exonerated in this judiciary setting. So we are exonerated by Christ, who has paid the debt we accrued in our wrongdoing. But the devil is still alive, because along with saying, you did this wrong thing, which we've been forgiven of, so long as we are in the state of grace, along with accusing us of something wrong, the devil also says, because you did that, You're worthless. You're a piece of scum. You have no reason to exist. He tries to make us hate ourselves because of what we've done wrong. That's the work of the devil. The devil hates us, and he wants us to hate ourselves. God, on the other hand, is our Father. He is our friend. He is the one who loves us. Actually, the Old Testament sometimes talks about the love of the Father, the love of God, as being like a mother's love. He loves us in that tender, affectionate way, the way a mother naturally loves their child. The lie of the devil is that we are useless, is that we are worthless because of our sin. But the Lord reminds us that we are not. The Lord reminds us it is good that we exist. The Lord reminds us we have worth. The Lord reminds us that he does not Regret the work of his hands. We are all here today because God put us here. God made us. God created us. He is our Father. No soul was given to anybody by the will of flesh. It is God who brought us into being, and He's glad He did. He would do it again if He needed to. However, the sad fact is that not everybody has this divine defender. No, not everybody has this advocate. Our Lord tells us also in today's gospel that the Holy Spirit that He's going to send can neither be accepted nor seen by the world. And when He says the word, and when He uses the word world here, He's not referring to just like everything out there, but He's referring to those parts of the world, those people in the world that have freely chosen to reject God. So it's like the world in the evil sense of the word, not the world in the sense of God's creation. Because we're supposed to look after our common home, we're supposed to look after nature, we're supposed to look after the environment. So there's a good part in the world, but when Jesus says the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the people and institutions that have turned their back on God. And St. Thomas Aquinas gives two reasons why some people cannot know the Holy Spirit. First of all, they don't want to. They don't want to know the Holy Spirit. They freely choose to turn their back on him. The world loves its own and hates anything that doesn't belong to it. Like we've all seen this before. When you choose to follow Christ and turn your back on maybe some social activity, which everybody else is doing, which is wrong, it's not as if people just disregard you. They turn on you. They hate you because you are not following them. You are serving as a conscience to these worldly sinful activities. If the five guys decide to start smoking something in their garage and you say no, it's not as if they just say, okay, that's okay, you do your thing. No, they turn because that one person who follows the Spirit's guidance is accusing them by his refusal to partake in that activity. And the world will not tolerate nonconformists. We must conform to the world, or the world will hate us. Second reason why the worldly people cannot receive the Spirit is because the love of worldly things blinds them. And St. Thomas uses the example of a tongue, which I never really understood. He says like when you get, like, you have a tainted tongue, you can't taste the sweetness of heavenly things. I find it much more helpful, the analogy of like hot sauce, because I joined like a Hispanic order that came from, you know, Latin America, and you know, from the day, the first day I showed up in the novitiate, there has been hot sauce at essentially every single meal. It's incredible what they put this stuff into. And there are times they're cooking this hot sauce in the kitchen on the first floor, it's a four-story building, and you, your eyes are watering on the fourth floor. That's how potent this stuff is. So, you take this hot sauce, and you burn your tongue to it, and you can't taste anything else for the next, like, 24 hours. And that's what happens to worldly people. They are filling their mouths, their souls, with all these worldly things and creatures and pleasures. And so they're unable to taste the sweetness of God. They're unable to taste spiritual realities. They're unable to perceive the state of their souls. They're unable to perceive the presence of God. They're unable to hear God calling to them. So who can receive the Holy Spirit? Everybody who receives the Son and the Father. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, remember the Trinitarian theology, they're all distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. But they come as a package deal. You cannot separate them. And so if you decide to not follow the commandments of Christ, if you decide to turn your back on Christ, you're also turning your back on the Holy Spirit. And so if we want the Spirit in our lives, we have to adhere to the commandments of Christ. Now just to end, I think it might be helpful to sort of point out a few signs that we have the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is in fact active in us. Because the Holy Spirit is kind of like temperature. We can sometimes go outside and we can say, it's hot today. It's not, but imagine it was hot today. There's a big difference between it being 80 degrees like it is here and 105 like it is in Phoenix. And so too, we can all have the Holy Spirit, so far as we're in the state of grace, but the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in varying degrees in our lives. In today's reading, we heard about Philip preaching in Samaria. He was not afraid. He was not cowardly. He preached boldly. If we have the Holy Spirit within us, we're not going to be afraid to speak the truth of Christ. Also, in that first reading, this is the second sign, Philip expelled the evil spirits. People listened to him because of what he said, but also because of the miracles he did. That tends to happen when there's a first evangelization of a nation or a country or a region. Miracles actually are fairly common in the history of the church, and so he cast out demons. He exercised possessed people. If we have the spirit within us, the Holy Spirit, we're going to start casting out demons malignant spirits. We're going to start casting out evil spirits. We're going to start casting out jealous spirits. We're going to cast out the spirit of hatred for our neighbor. We're going to cast out the spirit of, you know, avarice, that desire to possess money. We're going to cast out the non-holy spirits in our lives. And when Samaria, this town in Samaria was converting, it said there was great joy in that city. So, preaching boldly, expelling evil spirits, and joy. Because joy is like a banner of the Holy Spirit. I just heard this recently. Uh, King Charles, I think the third of England, just got crowned. I didn't see it, but I just heard recently that apparently when the king is in residence at Buckingham Palace, there's a special flag that they'll fly over the palace to to signal the king's in house. The king is here. Joy is like that standard of the Holy Spirit. It signifies that God is in this soul. You know, we don't want to be you know, doom and gloom Christians. We don't want to be depressed and melancholic all the time. We don't want to always be sad and depressed. It's a true sickness that some people struggle with. But joy will be the natural attitude of somebody who is possessed by the Spirit. And finally, love. If you have the Holy Spirit, you will love God and you will love your neighbor. So ask yourself today. You can make an examination of conscience out of these signs to sort of determine how active the Holy Spirit is in your life. Are you able to speak boldly about the faith? Do you cast the evil spirits out of your life? Are you joyous on a regular basis? And do you practice love for your neighbor? Do you seek the good of your neighbor even if it hurts you? Through the intercession of Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, let's ask for the grace to be docile to this Holy Spirit, to trust his protecting care, to call upon him in our needs so that he might manifest himself in our daily lives.